What's going on, Big Story of the Day podcast? Today is May 28th. This is the uh, book club with myself and Brady Trantham. Recording for the first time on this podcast in person, live. Oh, Here yes. We are. Yes. Not on the phone this time. Not on um, the phone. It's always better to see your shining face, Chisholm. My shining face? Yep. Have you ever seen um, an SNL skit with uh, Christopher Walken where he's like a Confederate general and his name's, or he's a colonel. His name's Colonel Angus. No. YouTube it when you get home. You'll be happy. This is all news to me. And then you'll be upset that I said your shining face. It'll make sense later. I promise. This joke is not landing right now. It's not supposed to land if you hadn't seen it. Okay. It'll land once you watch it, though. How much of SNL have you seen? Recently? I'm just saying, like, however many I seasons watched there the are. I the hell out of it, like, in the early 2000s, like 2000, 2004. I used to watch it every Saturday. Okay. And then, of course, that's when I was... 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 years old, which that's not the target audience, I guess, for SNL, but that's when a lot of the skits are, like, they're all universally goofy to you because you're a kid. Right, they're, everything's funny. Yeah, and at the time, though, that Jokes was, you don't understand, they're funny. That was, Will, that was like, Will Ferrell, that was Horatio Sands, that okay. was, like, a lot of the greats, like my favorite, uh, Daryl Hammond, those guys, that was a great cast. 2009 so. to, like, 2011, I didn't miss an episode. And then, like, in the past, like, Two years I picked it back up. I had like a large, like eight year gap there where I did not. They just haven't had the star power. No, they really have. They, like they've had they've had cast members that have gone on to have movie careers, but they haven't had like like obviously I probably chronologically Jimmy Fallon's probably the biggest guy sent like the biggest since that has you know gone on to do bigger and better things. Yeah. Um. Then Will Ferrell. They haven't had a Jimmy Fallon or a Will Ferrell. Now, if they have, and we're just not thinking of it, because I know... Um, well, they just have a lot of people who've been on the show now for, that, like, that, six years. That dude that was on the that dude that's on the Brooklyn Nine show. Oh, yeah. He's also on the Lonely Island, Andy Samberg. Yeah, Andy Samberg. Like, he's just not my cup of tea. Have um, you watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I have seen a few episodes. It's funny. It's just... See, I don't think Andy Samberg SNL's funny or the Lonely Island's very funny, but I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine's funny. Probably has not that much to do with him, then, in terms of the writing. Maybe. maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know. We're getting we're getting too far out in the hot rod. The I've, I've never really totally understood the fascination with that movie. Uh, that's my boy with Adam Sandler was not funny. There was like one funny part, and I can't even remember it. But I just remember coming out saying there was only one funny part in that movie. You're asking your money back because the movie sucked. No, you know what? I have not. I re- kept that in my back pocket. I remember pocket. walking out of the movie theater when I saw Step Brothers, and I remember thinking that sucked. Really. No, just like go look at go look at like the box office numbers, and anytime someone talks goes on a deep dive about Step Brothers, they say the same thing. It did not do well with audiences or bo- the box office when it first aired. Then, like a few, like a year or so later, like when people started like to watch it again on TV, that's when it really took off. And the second time I watched it, I thought it was hilarious. I, I didn't like the Big Lebowski the first time I watched it. That's the second common. time, second time I watched it, I was like, okay, I get it now. Yeah, takes you a minute. Really though, you did not see. I did not watch Step Brothers in theaters for the first. I'm not time. afraid to admit that. Like, I'm not going to be all hindsight. Like, it's great now. Like, anytime it's on, like, I'll watch it. Shawshank Redemption, the greatest movie of all time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just. You know, the underrated movie, The Godfather. I was 18. I think I had just graduated high school when that came out. I think it was just mainly because that's obviously one of Will Ferrell's best movies terms of his comedies but it wasn't anchorman it wasn't talladega nights semi-pro basketball wise for basketball nerds is kind of funny but there are a lot of parts of that movie that are just real dry and that left a bad taste in my mouth and then i saw Step Brothers, and it was just kind of like 
This isn't Ron Burgundy. This isn't Anchorman. Yeah. Anchorman's like the pinnacle of comedy for me. Anchorman is my favorite Will Ferrell movie. Uh, in semi-pro when the bear gets out of the cage and he starts yelling, use your children as shields. As a human shield. Like, I just, I can't. I can't hold it together in that part. Uh, that's what I, the the one part where uh, I, I think Will Ferrell's hurt and then his team like is around him and they all pick him up and the play-by-play guy's just like, and they're just doing a terrible job of maintaining his spine, <laughs> of stabilizing his spine. <laughs> and he just does it in such like a Bob Costas type voice. Yeah. It's perfect. And I just remember watching that in theater and just busting out laughing. Yeah, it's really great. Commentary humor is like always funny to me. So like Major League, yeah. just a bit outside. Like all that's just funny to me. Yeah. And that's the podcast, guys. Yeah, there we go. Five minutes of movie talk. Now let's talk about a book. Victory Machine. Wait till this movie comes out based on Victory Machine. Do you think they're going to make a movie? They're going to make a movie about the Thunder, aren't they? They're going to make a documentary, no doubt. This would be in the epilogue. Some of this would be in the epilogue. If if they make a Last Dance-style film, this is episodes 9 and 10. Kyle, can you imagine if some film, like, imagine like Spielberg, like someone with like giant filmmaking cojones just went up to the Thunder in 2011, 2012 and said, I want to follow your team around, film all this footage, and then I'll release it 15, 20 years from now. You know, the Thunder would tell Steven Spielberg to go take a hike. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially back then. They would tell him to kick rocks. Yeah. Like, no, no, we don't want that. Uh, So truthfully, it's been a long time since I've read these chapters. Yeah, I actually had to uh, reread them in the last few days. Okay. And it's funny because we made l- the last podcast, like the Kevin Durant episode. And this gets into more like team centric stuff, especially in the latter part, the latter chapters. But it's still very much a Kevin Durant story. Right. From that point on. Like it's almost hard to talk about the team stuff without mentioning Kevin Durant. So it's gonna that's going to be the challenge of today's podcast. Once we get to like the final chapter, let's try not to talk about Kevin Durant. Impossible. That's, that's going to be impossible. Impossible. So tell me, your reread, what jumped out at you at the second time? I want to say this in a kind, in the most kind way possible because, you know, we do, you know, not ex- the exact same thing that Ethan Strauss does, but I mean, we're in the media covering sports. I teams. don't do anything that Ethan Strauss well, does. Well, I mean, you're on the radio talking about sports. We're in the same career field, basically. Sure. Um, the the next I like to think of myself as like the janitor of the McDonald's and Ethan Strauss is the chef. Well, I mean, we're both probably making it about the same amount of money, but my job isn't as glamorous. Yeah, but if you don't come into your job, then he can't cook because the health department comes in and says this McDonald's is nasty. There you go, and they're all nasty. Fair enough. Um, the next chapter really just kind of the next chapter and a half really seems like the trials and tri- tribulations of the current media member covering the NBA. And this is kind of like less more about the book itself, but more about like things that I've even thought about. And the the big general point that I have is what point do we actually have anymore? And what I mean by that is like social media is a thing. These players are all on social media and these players are all hyper aware and writing their own articles. And- uh, like they, they can they don't need like a middleman like us to tell their story. Now, I think it's important for there to be as unbiased as possible middlemen if you want to call us that in order for like there to be a story out where you read it and you go this isn't propaganda i mean there are some media members that write straight up propaganda for teams they're covering players that they like that still happens like don't get me wrong but there needs to be as best as possible an unbiased member telling a story as as often as possible 
But it just seemed like this was Ethan just kind of like ranting and ranting about how hard it is to like cover players and teams like this nowadays. Mm-hmm. Did you get that same? Yeah, I mean, it. yes, I got that same vibe. And especially with the Warriors. But see, I, I guess I didn't take it as a league-wide. Because, I mean, he even brought up uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George's press conference after Game 3 last year. Yeah. When Russell, next question, Barry Trammell, and then um, Paul George was asked a question immediately after. And he just and it was kinda, a tough question he did not want to answer. No, like I remember exactly what the question was. It was because um, at the end of that game, he got a breakaway steal. The Blazers had their bench bench warmers out there, but they were still trying to score. And he gets a steal and windmill dunks it. And then someone asked him about the windmill dunk. And I thought it was kind of a weird question because it's like, well, they were trying to score. So it's playoff game. If you're trying right. to score, then we're going to score if we get a ball, get the ball back. That's how I would feel. And the question was kind of a put down. Like, why would you windmill dunk? Yeah, and that's it, what I'm saying. It, it was a question he probably didn't want to answer. Yeah, it was, it was a sportsmanship a, question. It was from really. a Blazer reporter whose name I can't remember. And Paul just did his his Paul George charm, just kind of chuckled and said, next question. But Ethan puts that in there to basically hammer home the point that our job is hard. And I'm sorry, like, the job is hard and it is annoying. And especially when you've had to, like, I've had to cover Russell Westbrook for two years in person. It's uh, It's a chore. I wasn't that sad to see him go. But at the same time, maybe it's just because I'm lower on the totem pole. I'm still thankful that I have that job and it's a fun job to have. And I don't like when either side puts puts the other side down. I don't like when players put the media down. I don't like when media puts the players down and they use them as justification as to why their lives are hard. Kevin, your life is hard because of the decisions you made, not because of what the media are saying. Right. Uh, Ethan, and not necessarily Ethan Strauss himself, but media members that are blaming these new age players that have social media now, and they're just rude and give you shitty quotes. Well, it's not your fault. It's not their fault that your job is harder. Like, if that's what they want to give you, then so be it. Let them look like assholes. Right. I just read it more as a, uh, this is where superstardom is going. Yeah. These guys are, regressing is the wrong word, is uh, these guys are, pulling into themselves over and over again where suddenly there's less and less access and the only narrative you're getting is the narrative they want. Mm. And and people can see through that, by the way. Like, that may be where it is now. I don't know if that's where it's going to go forever because people can see through well, I think this stuff shit. is cyclical. I think it'll take it'll take whoever the next great superstar is. It might be Zion or maybe it's someone whoever's after Zion or maybe it's Giannis. It'll take one of these great player the greatest player in the league today is to like start talking off the cuff to be very open and honest to do every interview to you know just be himself 100% like Charles Barkley basically yeah and I think that it'll call it all reset but because right now who is the best player in the league LeBron James who controls their narrative to the millimeter more than LeBron James <laughs> you know what I mean I think yeah I think all this stuff kind of rotates like and that. then like even though the league is in really really good hands with their young stars I mean you can have an entire collection like we have now of great players in their primes, great up-and-coming players that are about to get their primes, and then great young players who are going to be incredible once they reach their prime. It's not always like that. I mean, you remember the early 2000s when we were just hurting for, like, who are the best, who are the, who is the Mount Rushmore of this league right now? Oh, yeah. And a lot of that was just kind of to do with some of the best players were on the Spurs, and they just have no personality. That's just <laughs> the way that that is. Um, and then... The Lakers this kind of, stick in the mud and that stick in the mud. The Lakers fell off in the mid-2000s before they came back. So um, it is cyclical. I mean, you're right. But 
I don't know. Like that was just my thought reading the, like the next chapter and a half of like, I get that this Warriors team is such a headache to cover. I mean, the Thunder are a headache to cover in their own right. But do you think he's also trying to prove the point that they were a headache to cover because of Kevin? Yes. That's also what I took away from. Y- yes, of course. And I guess that's the kind of the segue back into Kevin. So, yeah, because I mean, what what he really lines out is the tension that Kevin made other players felt feel. And like the Warriors, those first two years, they made the first three years that they were kind of making a run without Kevin. They were joyful. They were happy. They were doing all the interviews. And then that first year he was there, it was a lot of the same. And then it slowly deteriorated. I think that was the picture that I, at least I got from yeah. Ethan that he was trying to paint. Yeah. Now, if the Warriors had never got Kevin Durant, um, let's say that they, you know, they obviously lose the title in 2016, but they're still like, even if they don't get Kevin, if Kevin stays in Oklahoma City, do or, they, do or you think he, they win one of the next three? I think they're still one of the best three or four teams in the league. With I think a, they win at least re- one of the next three. Yeah. Because LeBron still probably leaves Cleveland and goes to a crappy LA team. So he's basically out that year, which he was. They didn't go to the playoffs that year. I get he was hurt, but no one was picking him to win a title that first right. year in LA. So God, I wish he could have been the AC so we could have some national people picking ex- LeBron. <laughs> God. So in some weird scenario where Kevin doesn't go to Golden State, you know, the Warriors are still one of the best teams in the league. They won seventy three fucking games. Um if they keep winning or they add some other players that aren't Kevin Durant and they win another title, maybe like the disease of more, the, the disease of winning that we kind of read about uh, Michael Jordan uh, 11 in, the, rings. in the in 11, 11 rings where Phil told that Michael Jordan story of like winning championships turns all those wees into me's. Like right. maybe that still happens to that Warriors organization. And I kind of tend to think that way anyway. I think Kevin just magnified it to such an extent that all that stuff that basically gets is, is behind closed doors and you learn about it later was just so volatile that we all saw it play out. Yeah, in the moment's notice. Yeah. And I, I think it would have played out that way without Kevin anyway, just because of how the organization is, how they view themselves. And it's Talk interesting. Golden State? Yeah. And it's interesting that we're talking about this now after having seen The Last Dance. Now, we all already knew the greatness of the Bulls in the 90s, um, how they were built, how they were run, coached, how they those players played, Michael Jordan's greatness. We all knew that already. But we saw how they had to deal with all that pressure, constant pressure, how Michael Jordan had to deal with all that constant pressure. The Warriors just, they got success, and they did not know how to handle it. Yeah. It, it was just, maybe that speaks to what the athlete is Wait, now. Wait, again, the Warriors didn't know how to handle it? No. They went after Kevin Durant. Well, they didn't, didn't need him. I just think they got greedy. That's not handling success right. I don't know. I mean, that's not handling success, being greedy. Did anyone fault the Warriors, though, for going after Kevin at the time? If they could sign him. I think everyone would have said, well, I mean. No, but I think people could. I think even people at the time when Kevin went to Golden State, like they'll win in the short term. And unless Kevin decides to ultimately buy in, does not care that he'll never be viewed as the guy. And we all knew that that was going to stick in his craw and then stays for 10 years. This is going to blow up at some point. I think we that that wasn't a an outlandish prediction on July 4, 2016. Yeah. I know a lot of people in the media but see, we didn't were, have that vision of Kevin at that time. We didn't have the, we don't know we didn't no, we know did, Kevin like we know Kevin now. And on July 24th, July 4, 2016. We we didn't that's know how so shocking. We did not know how sensitive he was at the time, yes. Right. But I had the thought and it I didn't think it was that much of a deep thought. I don't know how a player who had a Sports Illustrated piece written about him, how he hated being number two 
is going to appreciate being number two yeah. on his team. Sure. That's going to be one of the best assembled teams in basketball history from now until the end of time. Yeah. And Jeff Van Gundy, though, I mean, famously on a broadcast said the Warriors are going to win the next 10 titles. So, I mean, I think there's people out there who thought, again, I just try, I'm trying to put myself back in like Chisholm 2016. What I knew about Kevin was not what I know about him now. And the bill of goods that he was selling immediately was this is about trying to make things as basketball nuanced and frilly as he possibly could. And so that's all we had to take him at his word. Little did we know that he was lying. Like, we didn't know that until months well, down the road. He, he was either lying or those were reasons. He's just not a very good storyteller. Yeah. He's just not consistent in his own what head. What do you call it? Basketball Nirvana, I, I, I think is what he called it? I have it. no doubt that he was seduced by the, the Warrior-style play after doing all that he did in Oklahoma City. I think a lot of it was just, I didn't want to play with Russell Westbrook anymore. And yeah. you, you can't say that publicly about another great player just because you don't do you want think, to... How much do you think of it that is? I think that's probably about half of it. Oh, I was, was going to say like 80. Well, because I would think that it's it's half Russell Westbrook and then the other half is brought is like built up by like four or five different factors. Yeah. You know, the fear like of like being Charles Barkley, uh, the desire to play the worst are the desire, desire to play for a coach like Steve Kerr because um, Billy Dom's a great coach, but that type of personality, that type of... Because if the Thunder win a championship this year, Billy Dom will get credit for it. He He's not going to be viewed as like yeah, one, one of the, the coaching league. giants. Yeah. He's just going to be a part of the equation. Yeah. And that's, that's how the Thunder want it to be as an organization. Yeah. The Warriors allow for more personality. And that was probably another factor as well. Yeah, I've just, always thought that Russell and then the fact that he could like be himself was the two. Yeah. Big like Kevin wanted to be on podcasts. He was never going to be able to be on podcasts playing for the Thunder. Right. He wanted to voice his opinion. He wasn't going to be able to do that with the Thunder. So, I mean, I think half of it is Russell. Half of it is like a bunch of different things. But at the end of the day, I still don't think the Warriors handled success correctly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so last couple chapters, anything else? There was one thing, there's this one meaningless thing um, where uh, Ethan Strauss is talking about uh, uh, at a Clippers game, and he's looking at um, courtside and Steve Ballmer sitting there with uh, Maverick Carter. Then he talks about uh, Montrez Harrell walking out of the uh, tunnel with his uh, child. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of goes into this quip about how, like, oh, yeah, this is what NBA players do now, and... Um, I don't really get it, like bringing their toddlers up to the podium to answer questions. And he was like, maybe this, I always assumed that this would be something that I would learn when I had a kid. Became a father. Like, that, that's, that's why this is going, this is going on. But he was like, but I still don't get it. Maybe that's just the difference between us and athletes. Athletes want the challenge because it's a challenge to have like hold your screaming toddler and answer questions. I'm sorry. I don't think that they look at it as a challenge. I think they just look at it as look at me. It's just like athletes like attention. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not trying to sit here and say they only view their children as 100% attention grabbers, but it's an attention grabber. He brought up Dwayne Wade wearing a red suit and no shirt and having his daughter with him. That's that's a look at me situation. I love Dwayne Wade. He's my favorite player of all time. That's a look at me situation. Yeah. So that was just one little thing that I'm just like okay, like I'll admit that I'm a little old man sitting on my lawn, or sitting on my front porch, get off my lawn. Yeah, this house is like Nice spin on it, right? I I, I guess so. I, you, if I had to write a book, I'd probably go that route as well because I don't want to burn too many bridges. You, the only bridge you want to burn is the Kevin Durant bridge. Is Ethan ever talking to Kevin Durant in a social setting Ethan, ever again? Um, Kevin Durant is going to talk to people at some point. 
he's going to he's going to make peace with the thunder. He is a sensitive person. And like I've said time and time again, that is not an insult. He's a sensitive person and that works both ways. He can be rude and angry and nasty to people and some of those people and entities maybe deserve it. But he can be rude, nasty and evil to people who don't deserve it. He can also just be the opposite end of that, forgiving, kind, all those things that sensitive people are. I have no doubt that um, I mean, Sam Presti's already like extended his olive branch publicly. I asked him that question going into the season um, a few, a couple months ago. It seems like years ago. We're asking about the uh, GQ article that came out in the off season, and Sam was just like, he said a bunch of stuff that I was like, is this tampering? He's like, if Kevin ever needs anything from us, like he's just a let's just phone call away. It's yeah. all up to him. So it's all there. It's just it needs to get to that point in terms of experience and years. And when it happens, it'll happen. So I have no doubt that if Ethan texts or calls Kevin Durant, when that time comes, I'm sure Kevin will want to talk. Okay. All right. Anything else from the book? That'll be it. All right. Cool. All right so uh, Madison, and I will be reviewing a movie. We're doing parasite Brady foreign films here on the big story. Podcast. Check that out a few months ago, actually about a month into the quarantine. It's a you can read that fast. Um, I'm shocked. Wait, wait, parasite. Uh huh. Isn't that a movie? Yeah. I'm lost. Why are you confused? I Oh, you said that I read it. It's it's a foreign film. You have to read the subtitles. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I watch movies with subtitles anyway. I can't hear shit. Okay, perfect. All right, man. Until next week. Appreciate it. See you.